Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. The sun did come up today in Starkville. It's not so bad. I know it's a day that many of us thought would never come, that Ole Miss won an NFL championship. I do think in some respects, God's got a bit of a sense of humor. You know, we win it, yes, last year. They win it this year. Uh, I'm not going to offer any congratulations or any code of conduct or anything like that, but I will say... Uh, I've said on this show many times before, I have a lot of respect for Mike Bianco and the program that they built up there. Uh, and considering the way that Mike Bianco has been treated by that fan base this year especially, and, and listen, I get it. You know, one, one Omaha appearance in, what, 22 years? You know, you expect a little bit more. And, and to be honest with you, you know, our success has kind of stirred up the pressure up there as well. But the reality of it is now they've got a championship of their own. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me that's kind of happy for Mike Bianco. I mean, honestly, uh, I think the guy's done a great job at a program that had little in, in the way of tradition in college baseball before he got there. I didn't expect him to win. I didn't want him to win, but one, they have. So you tip the cap and you move forward. They were a very veteran baseball team. We knew going into the year that lineup was going to be potent. Didn't think they had the pitching, and what do they do? They have two newcomers that really step up. Dylan DeLucia, of course, a junior college uh, transfer, then Hunter Elliott, uh, freshman on Tupelo. Those guys were outstanding, especially in the postseason. But in the middle of the year, those guys weren't doing a whole lot. You know, we, we, we didn't beat DeLucia. We did beat Elliott. Uh, we win the series against those guys uh, up in Oxford. But the reality of it is, is at the end of the day, they kind of figured it out late. And it is what it is. It's like we always talk about, too. You just got to get to Omaha. Like, I've read these things today about, well, you know, Ole Miss had an easy schedule. And, you know, that, that may be true, but they didn't make the schedule. You know, they, they didn't get to pick their bracket. I mean, they go to number six national seed Miami, who may have been overrated. But the reality of it is, is they went down there and won the regional. They go to Southern Miss. And a lot of people this year felt that Southern Miss was the best G5 team in all of college baseball. They beat those guys, too, in their own ballpark. They get to Omaha, and they're in a very difficult bracket. I, I think actually the more difficult bracket, if we want to be honest about it. And I, I had Stanford winning the whole thing. They had Arkansas. Arkansas has been a burr in the Rebel saddle for years. They get through those guys. Maybe they catch a break getting Auburn. That's an Auburn team that may have overachieved a little bit this year. But at the end of the day, you play who they put in front of you, and they beat them. They beat them. Uh, we can talk about the ball game yesterday. I, I think Oklahoma – uh, probably left some opportunities on the table. You know, the first game, it just seemed to me that they were not ready to play. Oklahoma was just not ready to play. Some errors out there. I thought Ole Miss had a lot more intensity than they did. Yesterday, you have the bunt that goes awry. It looks like that's going to be the game-changing play. They review it. They call him out. Now, it's like, listen, I don't want Ole Miss to win either. But that was the right call. Now, is it within the spirit of the rule? Probably not. But the rule says – the bunter's got to stay in the running lane. He didn't. He was inside the running lane towards the diamond. I don't think Elko's going to make that catch either way. I think the throw from Hunter Elliott was so far up the line, his momentum takes him into the first baseline. And so he throws it basically to the bag, and I don't think there was any chance. But the reality of it is the rule is the rule. You run inside the lane, you're hit for interference. They did. It was a game-changing call. Could have been really made the difference in – Probably makes that a 4-1 ball game rather than a 2-1 ball game late. And, and then next thing you know, you have a couple of uh, 
you know, pass balls or wild pitches, whatever, how you want to characterize them. Thought the catcher did a poor job. But, you know, that, that's the game. You have to execute. Ole Miss did. Oklahoma didn't. Ole Miss is national champions. I know that uh, there are some of you that were pulling for them. I was not. Uh, but all that said, you know, I, I think that this tip of the cap to those guys like Tim Elko that said, hey, we're going to come back and make another run at this thing, and it paid off. I mean, LSU did that, what, in 17, I guess? Did all those guys come back in 17? And they made it and didn't win? And so, you know, there's something to be said for that. There's a certain level of respect for that. But, uh, no, nah, am I happy they won? No, nah, not at all. No, nah, not at all. It makes it more difficult for us. It does. Uh, and it's interesting, too. A lot of those interviewers are like, hey, we want to take Mississippi State's bragging rights away from them. There is no chance of that happening. Zero. We won the NAFL championship. We won it first. We're going to win others. And maybe they will, too. And we still dominate the rivalry. But uh, it's their day. And one other thing I want to say about that, too, and this may surprise many of you coming from me. I have seen a lot of people, including our in-state media, that have kind of made this, you know, the, some type of uh, concert type deal where it's a state and Ole Miss accomplishment. Listen, Mississippi State won the NAFL championship last year. Ole Miss won it this year. Whether you like them or not, they deserve their moment. And I've seen, like, the SEC Network sends out the little graphic trying to include us in that. I know many of you have taken great joy in that. I don't agree with that. I think in many ways it is disrespectful to Ole Miss. And, and again, I don't like them. But they have earned their day in the sun, and I think some people in the media have kind of lumped us in there with them. You know, and some of our fans have too, you know. Uh, but this is Ole Miss's moment. And let them have their moment. And I, the best that I could offer yesterday was my silence. And what am I going to do, get out there and say they didn't deserve it? They did. It's difficult to win a NAFL championship in anything. And the College World Series is a very, very difficult tournament to win. They won it. They deserve their due. And they should not be lumping us in with them. I know many people have done that. And if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be another one of those, like, thanks, Rebels moments with the Clarion Ledger. You know, Mississippi State wins the SEC championship outright in 2016 because Mississippi State was the best team in the SEC. Mississippi State recorded the best record. Ole Miss didn't win us the SEC championship. We did. And by the same token, you've got this situation here where they have won an AFL championship and some people want them to share that spotlight with us. I just think it's inappropriate. We had our moment last year. We'll continue to cherish that championship, but we have nothing to do with Ole Miss's championship, none whatsoever. And so, again, if the shoe was on the other foot, we'd be outraged, and some of their fans are, and I, I support them. I think they are absolutely right to feel the way they do in relation to that. So, again, Ole Miss is your college baseball NAFL champion. We get ready to go. We get ready to kind of – Regroup, get ready to go again. It's now football season, so this will be the last time we talk college baseball on the show until we get deeper into the year outside of some portal talk. We're going to kind of recalibrate and get ready to go to football. I was already counting the weeks out, you know, when do we need to start our SEC football previews, right? You start thinking about that, you know. it's uh, It's been an interesting stretch for sure, but uh, I'm getting excited about football, so we're not going to talk a lot about football today but we are going to start talk, doing our previews uh, sooner rather than later. We'll start those uh, later in the month of July and kind of let those bad boys run for a while, kind of taking us right up into game week. 
But I'm ready. I'm ready for fall camp to open. I'm ready to get out there and see some high school guys play. Uh, ready for to have that July 29th top dog camp. I think there's going to be some recruiting stuff there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but that's where we stand right now. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. They love me and they will love you too because that's what they do. They spread good tidings and good cheer and good food at a good price and great atmospheres all around the great state of Mississippi. Three great locations to serve you right here. University Drive in Star Vegas. They recently opened that new patio area. Go by and check that out. Maybe you hadn't had a chance to do that. It's nice sometimes to be able to just kind of sit out there and chill, especially when these you know, ball game weekends get here. Be nice to sit out there next to, what do they call it, the chimney? Sit out outside by the fire, have some food. Be great. Be sure and check it out. And then Gloucester Street there in Tupelo and Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Again, there's some new items on the menu that maybe have been put on since you were there last. I encourage you to go by and check them out. You've got the uh, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. This is out. What is outstanding. It is absolutely outstanding. And then you've got the uh, Country Fried Steak uh, Sandwich as well. So be sure and go and check those out uh, next time you're in. Always have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, NCAA college baseball transfer process. We've talked about that a little bit. We've had some, some really good discussion on jeanspage.com today. Uh, come by and check it. Join the discussion. Come by and get on the baseball forum, kind of see what we're talking about, and don't be afraid to get out there and offer your opinion. That's one of the things that uh, we're going we're gonna to work on is uh, I don't like people shouting each other down, right? Right, that happens sometimes. Like, you know, there are some of us that are on the board all day, every day, and then there's fans like maybe you that maybe only come by on the board every couple of days, and you don't maybe know what's discussed, and you're just kind of checking in maybe on your lunch break, say, hey, Steve, what, what's really going on with this kid? Even though I may have answered that yesterday, it's my job to answer it again today. So you're not bothering me by asking. But sometimes people are like, hey, where you been? Well, you know, not everybody sits around like we're all at Cheers, Right. And chewing the fat about Mississippi State sports, some people are kind of in and out. So I, I want to make sure we have that kind of established. We're not going to shout our membership down. But um, that said, good discussion today about the transfer process and kind of where we stand. Uh, I wrote an article earlier today. You'll have to be a subscriber to read that, kind of the latest developments on a few transfer uh, portal prospects. But uh, so we've got this SEC transfer thing. It's kind of moving forward. I wanted to kind of share with you some things, too, because – a lot of times people ask questions, and I go do the research to answer, and it's kind of kind of surprising to me. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, Tennessee and, and LSU are running away with this transfer thing, and that's just not always the case. And so the reality of it is it doesn't always match the perception. So I want to share this with you, too, because uh, a guy made a comment kind of about, hey, you know, well, I, I made a comment, you got to be patient, it's going to be a process. And the guy, hey, well, it didn't take long for Tennessee and – didn't take long for LSU, and those two schools are really not in the same situation, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and Tennessee's going to return a lot of pieces next year, too. They're going to lose some guys, too, but they're going to return some pieces. You know, Tennessee's not going anywhere. But um, I broke it down and kind of looked. Now, there may have been some changes today. Okay, so there's no, no need to, to message me and tell me, hey, Steve, you're wrong. I know Texas A&M added a picture here uh, this afternoon after I put this list together. So – uh, but here is kind of what the SEC has picked up so far. 
and I think you're going to be amazed because a lot of times we're only acutely aware of what's happening with us. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we think, well, then the world is falling and, you know, we're not able to do this and able to do that. And we start beginning to realize that maybe things aren't quite as we perceive it to be. All right. So Mississippi State currently has four transfers, counting a junior college transfer, Nate Chester, who is a Division One bounce back from Missouri. And they had a great year this year as a junior college player. And so he's kind of bouncing back. And we've had some success with those D1 bounce backs. You know, Jack Kruger, of course, Nathaniel Lowe, speaking of that 16 team, really key components of that, of that squad. But as of this morning, this is what the rest of the SEC looks like when it comes to transfer ends. Alabama has picked up one transfer from UAB. And that's another thing, too, that kind of jumped out to me, too. With, with rare exception, most of these transfers that are coming into the league are not Power 5 transfers. They're G5 transfers. And it's like sometimes we say, hey, you know, Steve, we got the kid from Sanford and Ball State and Memphis, but, you know, we need the big impact guy. Sometimes the big impact guy comes from the G5. Look at, you know, Michael Turner there at, at Arkansas. He's from Kent State. Guy was a stud this year. All right, Alabama, of course, gets a transfer from UAB. Arkansas has picked up an arm from Creighton. That's a good baseball program, too. The Blue Jays do a good job up there in Omaha. Auburn has two transfers, the aforementioned Kent State and one from Miami, Ohio. Florida has two. The Florida's had one out, too, but Florida's uh, two, Mercer and Coastal Carolina. Georgia has not landed their transfer yet. Kentucky has four, all from the G5. Charleston Southern, East Tennessee State, Longwood. That's a new one for me. Western Kentucky. LSU a lot of people would say, hey, these are the portal champions right now. I don't know that I agree. I think the headlines would favor them. I don't know that reality does. You pick up Jack Pineda from Baylor, who is the guy that we still expect to be drafted. Now, does he decide to come back and maybe boost his draft stock? He has a year to play with. But if he gets drafted high enough, he may just go ahead and go. And there's some talk out there that he may. I do think LSU is basically a plan B for him. I think ideally he would love to be drafted and signed and begin his pro career. They get a guy from Creighton. Of course, they get Tommy White from NC State, which is really the only one of the transfers they have landed that we seriously pursued. State took some steps towards him once he went into the portal. Did not have a lot of interest or traction with us. All the talk was he was going to Florida State. All of it. Then there was this talk at NC State was upset and alleging tampering. Not sure how true all that is. He ends up going to LSU. Jay Johnson will have that guy hidden tanks. I mean, and it's not to mention if you play in that softball park, they call a baseball stadium called Alex Box. But uh, he's a difference maker. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can't sit here and belittle the fact that the guy led the nation in home runs this year um, for much of the year and put up some huge numbers as a freshman. A little bit of a stationary defender, but, yeah, I'm sure they can work around that. Then, of course, they get Christian Little from Vanderbilt. I am not a Christian Little fan. I know a lot of people say, oh, he came from Vanderbilt. You know, Vanderbilt actually has 17 guys in the portal right now. 17. And so Christian Little is a guy that has really struggled both years he's been at Vanderbilt. Uh, I understand, too, that there's a lot with him. You know, there's a lot of maintenance with him. He's not just a plug-and-play guy. Maybe perhaps the change of scenery will do him good, but we did not seriously pursue him. So four for LSU. And so, yeah. I can see the perception there because you basically you got three power five guys transferring in. But I think ideally when you get down to it, the kid from Creighton might actually be the uh, the biggest difference maker when it's all said and done. You just got to wait and see how it plays out. 
Missouri has not landed a transfer. Ole Miss been a little bit busy, but they picked up a transfer uh, yesterday. Pitcher, a guy coming back off Tommy John surgery. I, I guess two years removed from Tommy John now. Uh, so we'll see how he goes. And they need some arms. Because what's going to happen? Delusia is like, what is he, six one, maybe six foot? You know, what, what kind of uh, draft pick is he going to command? I don't think that, you know, his stock will probably never be higher. I don't know that he gains anything by coming back. He has another year of eligibility. I guess technically you could probably argue for two. But you've won an AFL championship. You were the workhorse on a team that won it. You're going to lose a lot of your offensive pieces next year. Probably best to get out while you can, and, and probably good for us if he does. The guy was really good this year. Uh, but that's interesting. You know, they, they go out and pick up an arm and uh, going to need some. Hunter Elliott, of course, will be back. South Carolina kind of quietly putting together a pretty loud transfer portal class. They got six transfers, one from Cal, three from Clemson. You know, they've had the big shakeup out there at Clemson. They pick up three out of the portal from Clemson, Memphis, and then Presbyterian. So six transfers for the Gamecocks. And that's a program, too. You know, listen, we all know it. They didn't make a change this year. The guy's coaching for his job in 2023. We all know it. So you go for the quick fix. You try to work the portal, bring in some impact players. So maybe it turns around for South Carolina. Tennessee, and that's one of the things we all Tennessee's killing it. Guys, Tennessee has one transfer. They got a great one. They got a Huna from Kansas. They got one transfer. Now, to hear like some of our fans talk, you would think, well, they've already, you know, that they've signed the 61 Yankees. Uh, they got one transfer. Now, they'll, they'll ta- they're going to add others, too. They're, they're chasing some of the same players we are. We're not going to get them all. They're not going to get them all. LSU's not going to get them all. But they got one transfer so far. That's interesting, too. Tennessee and Arkansas have two combined. Texas A&M, and again, I think they picked up an arm today. They, they, they had four when I wrote this up, one from Arizona State, Cincinnati, Quinnipiac, and USC, and then they uh, appear they've added another one. So that would give them five. Uh, and that's what A&M did last year. They really worked the portal hard. What, I'll tell you what's interesting, too. I had a friend of mine share this with me. In the three major men's sports, let me, give, let me go back to the text here. I don't know where he picked it up. But it's an interesting thing. I, I haven't done any fact-checking. The only program in the Southeastern Conference who hasn't played for a national championship in the three major men's sports since 1940 is Texas A&M. Can that be right? Now, of course, you know, Skylar Diggins, they, went, or they won the, the – uh, for Gary Blair, won the women's NCAA tournament. It's a major accomplishment, too. But when we talk about the big three men's sports, I hear all this talk about budgets and facilities and programs and culture and things like that. Where's the beef, Aggies? You know, and my buddy, uh, the illustrious hind dog, says, man, if you think Auburn's got little brother syndrome, just imagine being a Texas A&M fan. It's true. It's absolutely true. It's like, again, I haven't done the fact-checking here, but when you start looking at that in its entirety, you can kind of see why there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder of the uh, Texas A&M Aggies. Vanderbilt has also not added a transfer this year. And maybe they won't need to. Maybe they'll just depend on their class. But, again, they've had 17 guys go out. So that's kind of where it stands today. Now, I do expect uh, Mississippi State to pick up some more transfers. But, again, the transfer portal deadline to be eligible to play next year is July 1st. So we will see some traffic. Talking to some people in college baseball circles, we don't expect a mad rush here at the end, but there will be 
some traffic. And not just, you know, teams that just finished up in Omaha. And there may be some of that. But there are some guys, too, that are probably playing summer ball and has been thinking about their decisions and may say, hey, I think I'm going to go. And so that's something to kind of watch. Again, I don't think it'll be a mad dash for the deadline, but there will be some new names go in. You know, we saw Josh Day uh, from Missouri go in today. Won't be the last one. Uh, are we involved with him? It's too early to tell. He's from Natchez, middle infielder, played at Colin. Uh, had to walk off home run for Missouri against uh, Casey Hunt this year in that Sunday game that was just so devastating for us. And so that that's a name, to, too. That's a quality player. Now, he's a guy, too, that will likely be drafted. He is draft eligible. And there are going to be some guys that go in the portal in advance of the draft because they have no plans of coming back. And if they don't get what they want in the draft, then they'll probably be an NIL bonanza for some of those guys that have proven what they can do on the Division One level. So I think this is going to be something that kind of leaks into August. I don't think we're going to know for sure what everybody's roster looks like until we start, you know, fall classes. Going to be interesting. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. 
visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Now, we talked about the three guys Mississippi State has picked up. Uh, uh, Colton Ledbetter from Samford, Samford's best offensive player without question. Uh, Landon Gartman, a guy who was an all-AAC pitcher of the, pitcher of the year in that conference. And that's the same conference East Carolina plays in, too. So it's not like they're out there playing against the Louisiana School of Math and Science. You know, it's not a great baseball conference, but ECU obviously is a very good team. Uh, so Gartman, we think, is a guy that's going to be an interesting piece for Mississippi State. One of the guys we hadn't talked a lot about is Nate Dome. Now, it's spelled Dom, D-O-H-M, but it's pronounced Dome, as in, you know, the Minneapolis Metrodome. So Nate Dome from Ball State wrote about him a little bit this morning, too, uh, having a really good summer, really good summer, playing, the, uh, I guess it's in Illinois, uh, in the Great Lakes Intercollegiate League, whatever they call it these days, but um, the Great Lakes States Collegiate League. The guy's doing really well. Had 10 Ks and one strikeout, excuse me, 10 Ks and one walk and a win yesterday. Now, guess, guess it's summer baseball, but these are collegiate players. This isn't just like they just show up, you know, playing some beer league. I mean, these are guys that are, are legit dudes. And so it's interesting. That's a guy that nobody's really talked much about. You know, we knew Gartman and we knew Ledbetter because we had played against them. And so that's the first thing you look at is, oh, how do those guys do against us? I mean, how do they play? I mean, we know the programs that they're coming from. Not quite as familiar with Nate. Nate's a guy that uh, Chris Lamonis actually was uh, monitoring and recruiting before he took the Mississippi State job. You know, a lot of these guys can become prospects, you know, at 13 and 14 years of age. This is a guy that there was uh, a bit of a relationship prior to him uh, signing and enrolling at Ball State. And you say, Steve, Ball State, yeah, they won their conference tournament this year. Yeah. So coming from a winning program. And so we're going to award our prime shrimp player of the game, Danae Dom, for his 10K performance uh, for the Joes yesterday up there. I guess the Hamilton Joes is what they call them. I think that's right. I'm doing that from memory, so don't judge me too too harshly. But, um, Nate, welcome to the program. And if you go look at like it, people look at like the, the totality of his stats at Ball State, and they're like, well, you know, well, granted, he was a freshman playing Division One baseball for the first time. But if you look at his last five appearances, really began to trend in the right direction. Walks were down, strikeouts were up. Yeah, everybody struggles a little bit early on. But this is a guy too that I'm told has hit as high as 98 on the gun this summer. We need some velo out of that pen. Does Nate become a starter? Does he become a short reliever for us? Is he a setup guy? Is he a close guy? You know, there's some other closers out there that have already done it on this level that we're, we're chasing. But Nate could be an interesting piece to kind of bridge that gap between the starter and the closer. And if you look at the formula that we had you know, in recent years, you know, if we could get five or six out of, the, out of the starter and then maybe one or two from the next two guys, we won a ball game. That's just kind of how we did it. You need a guy to go out there and dominate one to two innings, then you can bring him back a couple of days later. You know, and then when you've got a big arm like that, and that's the thing, too, when if you look at what's happened in college baseball, just look at yesterday with the Ole Miss uh, win over Oklahoma. You know, they bring in their closer, and he's not the traditional closer. They bring in a guy that throws all these off-speed pitches to right-handers, and that thing is dancing around. Catcher struggles to get it. Here's the reality of life and the reality of baseball. 
when you need three outs and sometimes six, you better have a guy that can throw it by people. Simple as that. It's all about bat speed. It's all about velo in those situations. And so you can't go out there and just bring in some junk baller and just kind of hope for the best. And honestly, I think that was kind of Tennessee's undoing. It's like you got all these fireballers. Everybody's throwing 95 to 100. And then you're bringing in all these junk ballers, and eventually people catch on to that. When you've got to stare down 98, 99, the margin for error is really, really small. And we lacked that last year. We lacked guys consistently throw the ball by people. There were times Jackson Fristo had some life on his fastball. There were times KC did. KC's out pitch more times than not is a slider. And I think we really actually asked KC to do a job, that, you know, maybe perhaps at um, – wasn't in his wheelhouse. You know, he did it because he's a team player. But, you know, I think KC's a guy that probably needs to you – know, maybe, maybe he's a starter, maybe he's a middle reliever. But, you know, asking the guy to be a closer, and the guy, of course, steps up and says, yeah, coach, I'll go, because that, that's a guy that wants to win. But I think when you need that ninth inning, you need a Landon Sims type guy, right? That's what you need. You need a guy that can go out there. I mean, Kevin Copps, we talk about how great he was too. They had to utilize him so much because they didn't have anything else to really go with him. But, you know, the better teams have guys and go out there and throw a dozen pitches or so and get you out of an inning, close the ball game out. We lacked that last year. Now we're going to do that. And maybe, maybe Nate's part of that. So, again, he's your prime shrimp player of the game. Visit prime shrimp today, primeshrimp.com. Four great flavors of wonderful shrimp for you to uh, you put on your plate and enjoy. I'm a huge fan, huge. They sent me some sample products when we first began this. I was blown away. They show up in this very, very handy pouch that fits conveniently in your freezer. You don't have to you know, clear out a bunch of rooms. Just, hey, there's a pouch. You slide it in. You're good. It's not so difficult to store, and you're not going to want to store it long. This shrimp is already deveined, peeled, detailed. Everything's off. All you got to do, it's ready to cook. You put on that pot of water, you boil it up, you drop it in. Ten minutes later, you're ready to eat high-quality shrimp from a New Orleans-based shrimping company that's been doing it since the 1940s. Again, that's primeshrimp.com. Use promo code BONEYARD to save yourself 20 bucks off your order. And again, today's primeshrimp.com player of the game, Nate Dome, out of Ball State University, incoming Mississippi State transfer. And so people kind of wonder what's left. You know, it's like, okay, Steve, we got, okay, we got three plus the Juco guy. What, what else is left? Well, it's difficult to say for sure until we get through the draft. Because we have a lot of guys that are kind of marginal draft guys. Now, you know Logan Tanner and Landon Sims, those guys are gone for sure. I would just about put Brad Cumbus in the same category. And possibly Cameron James. You know, that's the people out there that say, you know, Cam's number is expected to be this. He probably won't get that. But you never know what a guy's going through. You know, you never know what that guy has in mind. He may go, you know, this is close enough, we'll go. I wouldn't count on Cameron James right now. I, I just wouldn't. Uh, Luke Hancock, I, you know, I think there's probably a decent possibility that he's back. But then you think about Preston Johnson. Okay, Preston's a guy. Now, if he gets an opportunity, probably should take it. Okay, probably should. You know, his age is a bit of a factor. Uh, he's not in like a Houston Harding situation, though. You know, he's got you know got some more leverage to work with. 
And I think that he's a guy, too, that loves Mississippi State, think he could be back. But that's, again, kind of a coin flip type deal. Now, what I'm told, though, is like the money that he's going to ask for and what he's likely going to be offered is, is pretty far removed. So he's going to have a decision to make. Now, if we got that big boy back, that'd make a big difference, wouldn't it? Right? And even if he's not a starter, even if he goes back to being that first guy at the bullpen, he was very comfortable in that role uh, two years ago. And, of course, every guy wants to start. But, you know, Preston was like a Brahma bull coming out of that pen. I don't think people wanted to see him coming. That was a guy to go up there and eat up three or four innings for he and get a lot of punches. And so if he's back, I think it makes a difference. You know, what happens with Casey Hunt? Casey Hunt having a phenomenal summer. He had a great fall last year, and he got a little bit twisted up there. You know, we lost him after that first weekend for, what, five, six weeks. And now he's finally healthy again. He's kind of returned to the fall form. It had been great if we'd had that Casey Hunt this season. Not to say that he didn't give his best effort, but you know, he just wasn't fully healthy. If we'd had that guy carry over from the fall, then all of a sudden I think that you could um, probably have a little bit of a different year, right? I think we all see and know that. But uh, there are a couple guys out there, again, they are going to be some back-end-of-the-draft guys that are going to have a decision to make. It's like, okay, they may be thinking today, okay, I want $100,000 to go, and they get offered 20000 And then you kind of start doing the math. Okay, well, can we meet in the middle maybe and maybe get fifty? Okay, that guy's probably going to go, right? I mean, you got a chance to make that money up at some point. Now, it's not like now a guy's going to be offered a million, million two, and turn that down to come back. It's not going to happen. It'll be different for a high school guy. There's some high school guys out there and some signees that are coming in. They're going to have a decision to make too. But many of them are already kind of have a number in mind because they have leverage. They're like, you know, talking to Colby Holcomb yesterday at a Northeast Mississippi Community College, the MAC Pitcher of the Year. I didn't press and ask him, hey, what was your number? You know, his attitude is this. is like, hey, it's a win-win situation for me. Either I get what I want as a signing bonus or I go to Mississippi State and pitch for two years and probably get drafted higher then. I can't lose. But this is a guy that's, what, 6'6", 6'7", 225 pounds, got a major league baseball body, probably going to have to turn down some pretty serious coin. So, again, it's going to depend on what he wants from a financial standpoint. And so that's what we're kind of waiting on. But, uh, again, I suspect that you're going to have – at least three more transfers, at least three. Now, some people hear that and say, Steve, it's got to be more. No, it doesn't have to be. A lot of it's going to depend. If we sign, if we get what we signed this year, you know, I don't think we have to go too deep into the portal, but I, th- I still think we need some arms and probably another outfielder. Probably need to get a bona fide center fielder. I mean, Ledbetter could possibly do it, but yeah, I, I kind of like him more in left. And if you can bring in a guy that's uh, kind of a gap-to-gap guy but also brings in some offensive stuff. I mean, Bill Knight from Mercer is a guy that uh, – former teammate of R.J. Yeager's. Took a visit to campus, had a great time. We'll see what happens with him. So you may add him to the mix too. And we've had some good players, obviously, out of Mercer that have come to Mississippi State and, and done a good job for us. So we'll see how things progress. But uh, that's your portal update today. And, again, there's going to be a lot of news between now – in the beginning of fall classes. But, uh, again, I guess the next update we really get is who goes in. And we don't, aren't expecting any more outgoing transfers at Mississippi State. We're not. We think that's behind us. I mean, it, we could always be surprised. But we're not expecting any more transfers. So that's probably the next big date. And then you've got the, the draft on the 19th. 
So once we get through the draft, you're going to see this portal game of musical chairs really, really, really ramp up. Really, really, really ramp up. Because now all of a sudden guys are going to know what they're being offered. Some of them aren't even going to be drafted. And they're going to say, you know what, I'm ready to go. And so you're going to see business really pick up. We talk about college baseball recruiting, by and large, has been something that's been handled with uh, high school guys early in their career. Doesn't involve a lot of fan interest. But the way the portal situation is working and the success that Arkansas uh, and Texas A&M have had in the portal and to some extent Tennessee, all of a sudden there is, you know, revived fan interest in baseball recruiting. And so we're going to stay on top of it uh, over at jeanspage.com. Be sure and come be a member if you're not. And, again, join the discussion. Come be a part of that. Join the discussion. I won't let people beat you up. I won't. So, uh, again, let's kind of move forward here. Uh, But I'm excited about the portal class, but at this point, it is still very much incomplete. We still have some needs to meet, and I can't begin to imagine being a college baseball coach because right now, not only are you sweating out, okay, are my signees going to get drafted? Are my current players going to get drafted? Are my portal prospects going to get drafted? And so until that draft takes place, you don't even really know what pieces you're playing with. You got a lot to kind of figure out here in the next three weeks. And again, it's, it's going to be very convoluted, but it'll all make sense. We'll have some real clarity here within about the next three to four weeks. All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by Close with Blair. That's C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R, Blair Chandler. That's who we're talking about. A mortgage professional. A lot of people out there want your business, and some people deserve it. Nobody deserves it more than Blair Chandler. 21 years in the industry. A guy that gets things done in the top 1% close ratio in the country. Two years running. And that's what you need. Coffee is for closers. Blair gets a lot of it. Closes a lot of loans. And that's who you want working for you. Somebody that can get your loan approved. You may be a atypical borrower. Maybe you've got a non-conforming property. Things are always maybe a little bit difficult in those situations. So you need somebody that's seen it all and done it all. That's Blair Chandler. Let me give you his personal cell number. 601 601- Five zero zero two three four four again six zero one five zero zero two three four four, and if you mentioned to Blair you heard about him on the show, he's going to pay for your appraisal. Simple as that. You say, hey Blair, I heard about you on the boneyard. That's about a five hundred dollar value that you don't have to come out of pocket for. That's a nice little benefit just by being a listener here. That's what we do here. We try to keep it in the family. It doesn't matter your recruiting interest or your college allegiance. Doesn't matter who you cheer for. If you listen to this show and you just mentioned to Blair, hey, Blair, I'm a Boneyard listener. That appraisal's paid for. Again, that's closeofblair.com. Be sure and check it out today. Okay, today's top 10 list. I thought we have done this one. Roy says we haven't. I went and searched his Twitter, and I assume he worked the Spotify list, and apparently we have not done one of the greatest thrash bands of all time. It's Anthrax. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw out an honorable mention here because one of the most important songs of my generation, when Public Enemy and Anthrax got together and did Bring the Noise together, it changed everything. All of a sudden, it was okay. All of a sudden, there was like an integration between the fan bases. And I think there were a lot of white kids, too, to be honest with you. In in America, they were just like, hey, I don't know about this gangster rap stuff. And it's all, wait a minute. The guys from Anthrax are friends with the guys from Public Enemy. Maybe I should be friends with the guys in Public Enemy. 
And so it changed a lot of perceptions. And I think it was very, very important. Again, it's kind of in the same vein of Run DMC and Aerosmith doing Walk This Way. Again, that was the brainchild of Rick Rubin. But I think because of the fact, you know, harder music, because let's be honest, Public Enemy and Run DMC, where they're both considered rap, two very different genres. Aerosmith, Anthrax, both rock bands, very different genres. And so you had these two kind of extreme acts that were controversial in the eyes of many people working together. And the video is, is iconic. If you've never seen the video for Bring the Noise and Public Enemy and Anthrax, pull it up on YouTube and check it out today. So I want to give a tip of the cap for that. All right, top 10 Anthrax songs in my mind. And, and now I still listen to Anthrax, so my list may be different from yours. Maybe you, maybe you only listen to the first handful of albums and you're thinking, well, this is all there is. You're wrong. Anthrax, in the last decade, has put out a couple of really good albums. And uh, Charlie and the guys on the drums, it's just, it's remarkable. Scott Ian's still around, of course, great autobiography. Uh, the dude from Anthrax, it's Talat, that book. But um, So here we go, top ten, off one of the more recent albums. It's the song, The Devil You Know. First real single I'd heard from those guys in a while. Uh, and that's off the 2011 album, Worship Music. The Devil You Know is kind of like a kind of a comeback of sorts. Great tune. If you don't know it, you should. Now, a lot of people feel like my number nine song is the best Anthrax song. I don't agree. I think musically it is, is phenomenal. I just think there are better songs on this one. I think there are better songs on this album, and it, it is in many respects the best Anthrax album. It's Among the Living. But it's the track Indians. And I don't know if, if, if in the world we live in if you can record this song today, but uh, it, it absolutely rocks. Now, I am not a huge Joy Belladonna fan. A lot of other people are. They say, hey, that's the voice of Anthrax. And, well, there have been three, and Joey is probably the most acclaimed. I don't know that he is the best fit for the band. And he's like, Steve, are you kidding me? I like the John Bush albums better. I think the John Bush albums had a little more teeth in them. And uh, the, the album, The Sound of White Noise, I think is phenomenal. And so there are two tracks from Sound of White Noise that make the album, made our list today. Nothing from Stomp 442, which was the follow-up to White Noise. It is still, it's, it's killer. But not a top 10 song on that, on that album. So we're going to go with the only I believe that was the debut single off of that album, Sound of White Noise. And, of course, that was John Bush, formerly of Armored Saints, uh, triumphant arrival with Anthrax. Okay, number seven, we're going back to Among the Living. I told you guys I didn't think Indians was even the best song on that album. In my mind, it's not. In my mind, it's I Am the Law. If you know it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a great tune. It rocks. It's one of those things that will really get you excited. If you need, uh, I, you know, when I, when I ran regularly, I had Anthrax on my playlist because it had such a driving beat at sometimes to kind of keep me, keep my feet moving in the uh, right direction with a little more pace. But Among the Living was the third album released way back in 1987 on Megaforce Records. But I Am the Law to me is the shining moment uh, on that album. We're going to go back to this album a little bit later. All right, going back to Madhouse, 
You can say, Steve, really? Yeah, we're going all the way back to Madhouse. That's going to be our number six song. Now, Madhouse is uh, with the original singer. And uh, he only lasted, I guess, two albums. I think that's right. Again, I'm kind of pulling this from memory. Let me look at this while I'm, while I'm talking to you guys. Yeah, Neil Turbin was the singer. And uh, it's the second album of Spreading the Disease. The track is Madhouse. Neil Turbin only lasted uh, you know, a couple of albums with these guys, and then they went out and hired Joey. I do think Madhouse is great. I think the guitar on this is phenomenal. Of course, Danny Spence from Overkill ultimately joins the band. I think made Scott Ian a better player, too. All right, number five. Again, we're going back to uh, Among the Living. I promise you we would. My favorite song on that album, and I think I told you earlier, I'm the Law is a Shiny Moment. It is one of the shiny moments. Sometimes I forget my own notes. But we're going to go with um, Caught in a Mosh. This is one of those songs, too. Again, that first Sabbath album is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Imitation of Life is a good one, too, that kind of closes out that second side. But um, Caught in a Mosh is one that uh, I believe they still play live. It wasn't a single, but it was one that a lot of people got really excited about because that album was, in really respects, kind of game and groundbreaking. I think it made Anthrax, this new lineup, really kind of changed the direction of the band. You know, adding Danny and Joey made them, I think, kind of stand out. Number four, off the State of Euphoria album, which was the second album with Joey and Danny, uh, it's uh, Antisocial. And this is actually a cover song. I just, and I'm, and I'm breaking my own rules today, but it's a, it's a trust song that was covered by Anthrax. And to me, you know, Be All End All is another one that's really good on this album. But Antisocial was one. I remember when that video came out, they showed these guys playing live, and I'm like, I got to go see these guys. I have to be a part of that crowd. Number three, probably my favorite Anthrax song since the late to mid-90s, after the John Bush era ended. It's uh, from the album Worship Music Again. And it's, uh, it's a song to me that is about recovery. Now, I don't know if that was their intention, but as somebody that nearly died, it is a song that means an awful lot to me, much like Pearl Jam's song with a similar name, but it's I'm Alive. I love the instrumentation on this one. I think Joey does a great job singing on this one. I love the bass line on it. It's just one of these punch-you-in-your-face type songs. And again, that's off the Megaforce uh, label, off the album Worship Music. And it was their best-selling album since John Bush left the band. Almost all the way back to Sound of White Noise. White Noise went gold. This album didn't do quite as well, but it was their best-selling album since that one. I guess Stomp 442 may have uh, sold a few more copies, but they had really struggled with maybe album sales for a while. But uh, Anthrax, a great live band. If you get a chance to go out and see them, you absolutely should. Now, going back, number two, we're going back to The Sound of White Noise. I love the album. I can listen to it in its entirety. I don't have, I don't have to skip around. But the song that I always go to first, every single time, is Room for One More. Every single time. I absolutely love the song. It is. Uh, I think John Bush's vocal on it is absolutely phenomenal. You need to go check it out. It's uh, Room for One More. 
it's just one of those songs to me right out of the gate that kind of lets you know okay we're on a roller coaster here all right number one for me and it's actually a cover you said but steve what could it be well, it's a cover, and it's off The Persistence of Time. And what's interesting about this, the album is named The Persistence of Time. There is a song called Time, and then there's your number one song, Got the Time, that is actually a Joe Jackson cover. But I broke my own rules today just because I think Anthrax is such a fun band, and many of the, a couple of their big hits, kind of like Joan Jett, are cover songs. And so I wanted to kind of get that out there. And again, that's one of those great songs that I think a lot of people uh, we're pretty excited about not really knowing the history of the song. And again, a, a gold album. You know, I go back and I look at like Anthrax's stuff. It's like you look at all the albums that Metallica sold and Megadeth has sold and you know, Slayer sold, and they call Anthrax part of the big four. The record sales don't kind of match up with that same grouping. But there are some days I would prefer Anthrax. And I think one of the reasons it may be Anthrax didn't hit the way some of those bands did you know metallica there was all this angst and anger and some political stuff and very political stuff with megadeth and you know slayer with all this stuff like seasons of the abyss and there's all this you know basically this uh, you know demonic and satanic type imagery i think anthrax was kind of the fun younger brother of those bands they're really more of a punk band than they are a thrash band i think in some respects a lot of that genre, the fans of that genre didn't fully embrace Anthrax. And I think there are a lot of other people that listen to just kind of regular radio, rock radio, that thought, oh, yeah, they're, they're a thrash band. and never really gave them an opportunity. So let me encourage you, if you like good rock music, give Anthrax a listen. Uh, check out our list. You'll be glad you did. Thank Roy, as always, for putting these lists together on Spotify for everybody. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. We'll put it on the list. Roy keeps up with that. He's almost like an accountant with all of that. Uh, and again, too, if you're looking for somebody, uh, maybe a leader in your business, Roy's got over 30 years' experience in uh, quality control management. A guy that's been around, maybe you're thinking, hey, Steve, I live in the greater Memphis area. I live in DeSoto County. I'm looking for a great employee. Roy may be your guy. Reach out to him on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And uh, two, while you're there asking for his resume, uh, you can uh, send him your ideas for the top 10 list. So there you go. Top 10 list today, again, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. All right. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You're familiar with Campus Bookmart. If you're not, you should be. Great people doing a great job at a great price for a long, long time. A Starkvillian institution here in Starkville, Mississippi. The lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, a fabulous buyer. Miss Pam Menyard, everybody up there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Go by and check out their new Mississippi State merch. As uh, noted on the last show, they're out of the textbook business now. They're going to expand the bully shop upstairs too. So you're going to have basically twice as much merchandise to choose from. Probably not a better selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the country. How about that? Let that sink in for a second. If you're crazy about the Bulldogs like I am, Campus Bookmart's going to be your one-stop shop when it comes to Mississippi State merch. If you can't make it to town, let me invite you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. 
All right, we're in the summer recruiting season. You guys know it's a dead period now. And a lot of people say, well, Steve, it's a dead period. What does that mean? Well, it means no face-to-face contact. They can still talk. They can still uh, have phone conversations. But a lot of that has to originate with the player itself. All social media activity uh, is unfettered. You can still contact each other and say, hey, give me a call tomorrow. Set up a call, those kinds of things. So there is still some contact between coaches and recruits. But right now, a lot of recruits are kind of enjoying summer vacation and time with friends and their summer workouts with their high school teammates. But uh, that will change in about a month. I think it's uh, July 23rd, 24th, maybe the dead period ends. And then guys can resume campus visits. And so if you take a campus visit now, you can't have any interaction with the staff. You can't have uh, a tour of facilities. You can take the regular college entrant type tour which is still pretty cool but you just can't go speak to the staff and a lot of the staff's on vacation uh, here the next few weeks anyway but um, once the dead period is over we're going to have our final camp of the summer it'll be another top dog event and so it's going to be like last year they had kind of like a cookout type deal as a camp and a cookout the cookout i think will happen before the event there'll be some guys that'll come that have nothing to work out for there's no reason to work out uh there will be a person you know some recruits i guess in many respects that have nothing to prove it's just really about spending some time with the staff now we had kind of a limited group last year with some surprise kamari rogers came but he ultimately signed with miami stone blanton came ultimately signed with south carolina uh, we wish those guys well just not better than us and uh, matter of fact kamari rogers was here last weekend uh, with his dad and his team for the 707 tournament. So that's the next big event. So you start thinking, okay, Steve, what, what's next? Well, there's a lot to that. There are a lot of guys out there that I believe if Mississippi State decided, okay, let's take a commitment that could get a guy on the phone and get him committed. And some of those guys, maybe you want to wait until you've seen some senior footage. But uh, some of the guys that I think it's important uh, to kind of – kind of wait out and kind of see how this thing is going to go. Uh, Anthony Miles, offensive line prospect out of Ramsey over in Alabama, recently released the top five. Of course, Mississippi State makes it. That's no surprise. Uh, We've been expecting that. Let me run. Let me pull it up for you. Let me pull up his uh, top five. I think maybe you'll be interested kind of to know who those schools are. We We knew Mississippi State and Vanderbilt would be in his top five, they are, along with Georgia Tech, Indiana, and Arkansas State. Now, all due respect to the Howell Nation in Jonesboro, they're, they're not going to get this kid. I fully expect him to be a Bulldog. I don't know when it happens. I think it could happen. I think it probably happens sometime during the month of July. Does he do it at Top Dog? Does he do it before then? Does he do it uh, prior to the season? I think it's a big part of things. But uh, I do expect him to be a Bulldog sooner rather than later. And then, of course, you start looking at your offensive line pieces and you start wondering, okay, with Malik Ellis and then Anthony Miles, you've got three spots left to fill. And I think think the majority of those will be filled this summer. LaKendrick James. I'm a big fan of LaKendrick James from Northside High School. It's a guy that can really play. Doesn't have a lengthy offer sheet, but at the same time, this is a guy till you turn the film on and it excites you. The offer sheet doesn't match the ability. And that happens sometimes, especially in an under-recruited area 
like the Mississippi Delta. A lot of times guys recruit the Delta. They see players. They don't always have grades. State, of course, already got two really good Delta players committed in Dante Kelly and Kelly Jones. I think Kendrick James will eventually join the class. Uh, he is a guy that speaks regularly with Coach Matt Brock. Matt Brock now, of course, coaching the uh, linebackers, not coaching uh, just the Sam and special teams. Of course, Eric Mealy handling special teams now. But I think Kendrick James fits Mississippi State. I think he fits the scheme that we want to run defensively. And I think that he is a guy that ultimately will be a part of this class. And even if it's your third or fourth linebacker, I think you feel really good about that. And one thing about this year in Mississippi is a very defensive, heavy talent pool within the state. We don't have a lot of offensive skill. Uh, probably don't have a running back in state this year that we look at and say, yeah, that guy's a bona fide power five running back. You know, Ty Jones, a guy that's a remarkable running back out of Bay St. Louis. I do think ultimately he becomes a linebacker. I think Git Perkins better known as Suntareen Perkins, is currently committed to Ole Miss from Raleigh. I don't know that he's a running back on the next level. I think he's probably a linebacker. But that's another guy, too, that is a great high school running back that probably doesn't project to be a running back on the next level. And, of course, Aiden Williams is uh, our best receiver in the state. State's still recruiting him, uh, just not having a lot of traction there. He did not mention State in his uh, top six. So some work to do there, to say the least. Now, uh, Zachary Tillman, originally forecasted him as a safety. I I think you looked at him ideally and said, okay, this is a guy that will be a safety on the next level. And now he's put on probably 15 pounds. I think he is growing into a linebacker. I think that he is a guy that could be a Mike linebacker. I think that he is a guy that actually could play on the same level of Errol Thompson. That's probably the best player comp. And I think Zachary ultimately will be a bigger player than, than Errol Thompson was. But Zakari is one of these guys that uh, could just play whatever. He's just a football player. I don't think there's any question that that's a guy that you want to take in your class. Ole Miss has not offered him, and I think that's rather interesting. Is that because Ole Miss has different plans for this class? Perhaps they haven't seen enough of him, or maybe they think they can get him late anyway. I don't think that's the case. Uh, based on what I'm hearing, that we should expect about half of the Ole Miss class to be transfer portal prospects. Is that sustainable? I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think that the issue comes in if, if you're taking one-year transfers, you probably kind of get on that hamster wheel where you're constantly doing it and you kind of have a tough time developing continuity on your roster. So you got to go get guys multiple years of experience. You don't want to be chasing one-year guys like a junior college every single year getting guys that maybe are only going to be here for a year, possibly two at the longest. Uh, I think you, you look at some other guys, just kind of how part of all things are going. But um, it's interesting to me that they have not offered Zakari Tillman. This guy, the very first time I watched this tape, I said, this guy is absolutely, absolutely an SEC player. And he loves Mississippi State. Uh, there was some discussion that he might commit earlier in the process. He didn't do it. I think it's still just really a matter of time. I think it's a matter of when rather than if. Uh, but I really like his game. I think that he is a guy that the fans will absolutely love. He's going to be a very productive player, too, but I think it's a guy, too, that you know your, your kids are going to get on with their picture made with Zakari Tillman. I think he will be a fan favorite here, not just because of the fact that he is going to be a remarkable player on the field, but uh, he is the kind of guy you send to media day. This is a guy that's very articulate, extremely intelligent, well-grounded, a guy that will be a great ambassador for the program. Another linebacker that I love, and again, we keep talking about these linebackers, 
uh, Tobias Hinton. Love his game. When I saw him in camp the other day, I was, I'm going to be careful how I say this. I wasn't just blown away. He wasn't quite as big as I expected. But then I went back and watched his tape again, and I'm like, yeah, this kid can do it. He absolutely can. Got a big frame. Going to be able to carry probably 25 more pounds uh, of mass without really hurting his dexterity or athleticism. I think you absolutely take him. If, if this is a four-linebacker class, I think you pretty much can get them all right here in town. I mean, in, in state. Ty Jones, Zakari Tillman, uh, Tobias, and LaKendrick James. To me, if you're taking four linebackers, I think you could probably get that done this summer. I think you can feel really good about life. I don't think State's going to be able to flip Perkins. I'm just going to lay it out there. Uh, if he stays in State, I fully expect that to be Ole Miss. I do think he goes through the process, maybe visits Alabama, maybe visits Florida. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at on the linebacker side. And, again, I, I love what we're doing at DB. Uh, we, I, I submitted a reevaluation today. For Jalen Abram, I asked for him to be reevaluated by the network. Uh, Kelly Jones from Clarksdale has not been evaluated yet. So I sent my thoughts in uh, as well as some measurements to get those guys properly evaluated. If that's not done today, it will be in the next couple of days. And you'll see Mississippi State's uh, ranking uh, probably move into the top 50. It's just a lot left to do right now. A lot of people say, you know, and I, and I see the stuff on social media, so I want to address that now. A lot of people say, well, you know, well, Steve, we got, why aren't we getting more four- and five-star players? Well, we don't, you know, we don't get a lot of five-star guys at Mississippi State unless they're in-state prospects. And I think that's a big part of this thing. you got to kind of understand how life works and kind of the, the neighborhood in, in which we're in. Uh, you know, we just we don't get a lot of those guys. And, uh, you know, kind of looking at our list here, over the years, you know, here, here are the guys, you know, in, in the modern – era of recruiting we have signed seven five-star players from the high school ranks may have had a junior college guy here and there but i struggle to remember that our five excuse me our seven five-star players delwan robinson back in the class of 03 you remember him that was a guy that had some medical issues didn't know if he'd ever play again ended up going to the league and of course chris jones it's the second highest rated player to ever sign at mississippi state j rock norwood the pride of Brandon, Mississippi. You guys love him. He was part of some teams that weren't necessarily very good. Darren Williams from Clarksdale, Mississippi. Depu, God rest his soul. Charles Cross, the fifth highest rated player to ever sign with Mississippi State. First round draft pick. Jeffrey Simmons, also a first round draft pick. Your number six five star with a 98.76. Just one one hundredth of a point behind Charles Cross on this list. And then Derek Pegues. You remember Derek Pegues? Obviously, uh, you know, South Panola, out of Ole Miss, people thought he was going there, ultimately comes here. So that's your five stars. So, you know, and again, that's over the course of, uh, you know, the past 20 years. We just don't sign a lot of five-star guys. It's not for a lack of effort. You know, it's just the fact that in, in those guys' eyes, we just, you know, we're just not a, a reasonable destination. And maybe we, we can be in time. You know, when Dan Mullen was here, you'd say, hey, you know, well, you know, why don't we sign more of these guys? Well, we got Jeff Simmons, but we didn't have a lot of five stars in Mississippi. I mean, what are the odds that Mississippi, Mississippi State, is going to be able to go into another SEC school's home state and take a five-star kid from them? Just kind of knowing what you know. 
the, the chances of that happen not very good. So in order for us to get a five-star, we need it to be a Mississippi guy. And if you look at all seven of these guys, these are all products of Mississippi high schools, every single one of them. So unless there are five-star kids in Mississippi, and there rarely are, you're not going to see many five-stars. Now, four-stars are a little different, and I think that our class this year in Mississippi is undervalued. I think there are some guys that will play their way uh, into four-star rankings, and I think a lot of that, too. You know, the 2020 you – know, the, the prohibition on camps in 2020, I think, is kind of showing up in the rankings right now. I think there are some guys, number one, that didn't get out, that couldn't get travel in 2020, and I think there are some guys, too, that didn't do a lot of camps in 2021. You forget – you know, we didn't get, you know, the Nike football camps or the opening for two consecutive years. And so I think it's important to kind of understand that. You know, camps didn't reopen until last June, and even then there was some parameters around the camps. So we didn't have all these combines. We didn't have all these Nike and Adidas uh, and Under Armour-type camps for guys to be seen. And so the thing about our Mississippi guys, too, by and large – we don't have a lot of guys that go anywhere. I mean, you guys know the ones of you that grew up in Mississippi, in small-town Mississippi, anything past Jackson felt like a foreign country, right? I mean, you just didn't get out and go do things. I mean, like, if you ever made it to Jackson, that just seemed like such a special thing. You, you never really made it beyond there. And so there are a lot of kids in Mississippi, unless their high school coach is going to take them somewhere, they're not going to have a chance to go. And so I share that just because they're uh, guys like Kelly Jones – Okay, if Kelly Jones lived in Atlanta, Georgia, he'd be at least a double-digit offer guy and probably pushing 20 offers. I mean, if this guy was in Metro Atlanta, you know, he'd have a ton of G5 stuff and probably a handful of Power 5 too. And so Mississippi State kind of benefits. You say, well, Steve, you know, we don't get a lot of the four-star kits. That's true, but we get a lot of guys that are high-level three-stars or even mid-level three-stars that have four-star ability. They just don't have four-star name recognition because they don't get out and travel. I think that's an important aspect of all this that I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate. And so let's take a look, if we can, if I can get this thing to operate with me here. Let's take a look at our our state rankings this year and kind of see maybe some guys that have the potential to play their way in. As it stands today, we have five four-stars in the state of Mississippi. Get Perkins, no question, four-star guy. He might actually could play his way into a five-star ranking. I mean, honestly, I think he is that good. I think the quality of competition probably hurts him on the top end. But if this is a guy that goes to, like, the Under Armour or the U.S. Army game, it's not the U.S. Army game anymore, it's just All-American Bowl. If he goes to one of those events, he is going to stand out, and I think that he is a guy that could get elevated. Aiden Williams, a very solid four-star. I think that is accurate. Isaac Smith is currently rated as the number three player in the state. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that he's not the number one player in the state. I like him a little bit more than Aiden Williams. I think the fact, too, that he is already playing his natural position of safety, that excites me a little bit more, I guess, than a guy having to make a position change uh, on the college level. Uh, Jamarius Brown is ranked fourth. I think that is a little bit high. Uh, he is listed at 6'3", 250. He's closer to 6'1". He is an explosive player. I do think he is a four-star talent. I do think State has a chance to get him. Uh, that is a situation, too, that is probably going to play out over the course of his recruitment. There were a lot of people that were on him early that maybe have kind of hit the pause button a little bit. We'll see how things progress. Dante Dowdell, running back out of uh, Picayune. I don't know if he's a linebacker or a running back. I don't know how Oregon plans to use him. 
I do know this, that the running backs at Picayune Memorial, and I love that offense, I do. But when I think about the totality of my own career of evaluating players in the state of Mississippi, I have not seen a lot of running backs from Picayune excel on the college level as a running back because I think they are products of a great high school offensive system. I mean, when, you know, when Dodd Lee was there, they ever got a lead on you, they'd get that unbalanced line and just run off tackle all night long and shorten the game on, and you were just kind of powerless to stop them. So when you look at Dante Dowdell, is he a four-star athlete? Without question. I don't think he's a four-star running back. I think he's a product of the system. That said, I would have offered him. And the fact that we haven't, that's one of those things that kind of frustrates me at times. I think Mississippi State should be the first offer for the true SEC kids in the state of Mississippi. I think we should have those offers ready to go, you know, January, February, March. I really do. I, I don't think we should ever get into the camp season uh, kind of unsure of who we're going to offer instead. I know some guys you just want to see a little bit more of, but when you've got a guy like Dante Dowdell, I think you've got to offer him. And I think that's a kid we probably could have got early on had we offered, and now he's committed to Oregon. Uh, Tobias Hinton is your number six player. Uh, I think that's probably maybe a little bit high, but I do think he's a top ten guy. I do think that he is a guy. He is your highest-rated three-star in the state. I think he's a guy that could play his way into four-star potential too. I, I want to see more from him. And I'm, my hope is he comes back on the 29th and that I can come back on the show and say, you know what, guys, I didn't see enough of him in June. This is an obvious take. Uh, and I think that he's a guy, too, we'll take anyway. But I think this is a guy that I just want to see more from. Ty Jones is a guy that's an athlete. Uh, I think he, again, ultimately ends up being a, a linebacker. He's ranked number seven. At one time, you know, he was ranked a four-star that's dropped. I don't agree with that. I do think he is a four-star athlete. I think he is a guy with some senior film. Perhaps we can get him elevated again uh, into that status. Caleb Bryant currently committed to uh, Utah. That's uh, the, the big defensive lineman out of Vicksburg. I will be surprised if that sticks. All due respect to Chad Bumpus. I think Caleb is a, is a real dude, though. I think this is a guy. I think it's a potential NFL guy if he works hard. Bray Hubbard makes his debut moving into the top 10 in the Mississippi 25 as a number nine player. I like Bray Hubbard a lot. Alabama has taken him as a commitment over the weekend. And so I think you could probably validate that. I definitely thought he was a dandy dozen all the way through. I had a friend down there in Ocean Springs that sent me his film late last year. And so this is a guy that's been on our radar for a while. We were a little bit later, maybe offering him. Uh, then maybe we should have, probably should have been the first offer. Not to say that he wouldn't have flipped the band, but that's not what I'm suggesting. But I think, again, we've got to be out first. We can't be playing catch-up in our own state. Uh, Mike Howard, now at Oxford, former Heritage Academy quarterback, really like him a lot, committed to Utah as well. Uh, I think 10 is probably maybe a tick or two high. Uh, Zay Alexander from Tupelo, like him a lot. Uh, lost a lot of weight, big mammoth guy, good frame. Vic Sutton, 12 from Madison Central. I don't. I think he's probably a little bit high as well. Malik Ellis has dropped in the rankings, which I don't, I don't agree with. And John Slaughter has as well. John Slaughter recently committed to Tennessee. And just behind him is Alex Sanford. He dropped in the rankings too. I think that's probably about right. He, and It's not necessarily a criticism of his ability. I just think he's a bit of a tweener. I don't know that he has the foot speed to play linebacker. I don't know if he has the length to play defensive end. So what do, what do you do with him? Do you bulk him up and swat him inside? Possibly. Is he a five-tack? Does he grow into a three-tack? I don't think he's a natural three, 
But I think the guy gives you some options, and he recently committed to Arkansas. So congratulations to Alex. A couple good players up there at Oxford. I saw them uh, last year, year before last. Saw this guy, saw them last year, and um, or two years ago. And they had some sophomores that uh, really stood out as guys we expected to be real players. And so, and now you're seeing it. Now you're seeing these guys get some opportunities. And so I think, you know, that's your, your top 15. But I think this is one of those things you begin to kind of break down and you realize it's probably a better year in state than people realize because we just simply hadn't had a chance to see a lot of these kids in person, you know, more than once. And so the rankings are going to evolve and change over the course of this season. And I think in the end, we'll get it right. We're not there yet. And again, that's not a criticism of the network or any of the evaluators. If anything, it's kind of a criticism of me and guys like me. We probably haven't provided enough information yet because we haven't seen enough of these kids. And so the rankings will, again, evolve as we kind of move forward. And I think that's something that just be patient with us. Uh, But there are some guys, I I think it's a state full of really solid three-star guys and maybe seven Four-star type guys, maybe. That sound about right. You know, you look over at Alabama where they got seven five-stars. They got seven five-stars. We don't have seven four-stars. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't. And that's not an indictment on anybody either. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, but that's kind of how I see it. And, again, we're going to be talking about a lot of recruiting and football here in, in the months to come. And you'll become more familiar with these guys. And I encourage you to, you know, listen, you know, get out and go watch a high school football game in your neck of the woods, even if you don't have one of your own kids play in that ball game. You know, get out and go check them out. You know, when you see, hey, it's a future Bulldog there, you don't need to have any contact with them. Do not have any contact with them. It'd be a violation. But uh, get out and go see them yourself. You know, there's a lot of those kids that you maybe come in to play in a high school in your area and you're looking for something to do. Go watch them play. Be pretty cool. Maybe even bring Cowbell. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks of Portico. You know my friend Brooks Bryan? He is not just my friend. I mean, I don't own his friendship. I have his friendship. I enjoy his friendship. You can enjoy his friendship, too, because he is a friend to you. He's a friend to me. He's a friend to Mississippi State. He's a friend to the greater Starkville area. Former Diamond Dog, and I struggle to say that. I think it's a lifelong designation. A former Mississippi State baseball player. He'll probably be a Diamond Dog today he, left, today he dies. But uh, Brooks, part of a great group, putting together this wonderful residential development in Starkville called Portico. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on 12 like going to campus. You take that very first ride on Pat Station Road, boom, there you are. Your new neighborhood, just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You've always dreamed of having a place in Starkville. Maybe it's your primary residence. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's like, hey, we're going to retire there someday. Maybe it's an investment property. Maybe it's your ball game weekend retreat. And you think, man, it wouldn't it be great to be able to leave all our tailgate stuff up there and not carry it all over the country back and forth, right? Not have to get that hotel room. Have a nice place where friends and family can come and eat with you before a ball game. You can prepare a meal, have a nice spread. I mean, you're getting misty-eyed just thinking about it now. Let's make it a reality, right? Give our buddy Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Phase one's completely sold out. So your new neighbors are already enjoying life here in Star Vegas. Phase two under construction now. Already got some of those houses sold too, but there are still some lots available where you can pick a lot and you can pick a house plan, kind of have a custom build. You know, you know what you need, right? So give them an opportunity to serve you. I've told you guys many times before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I live out here in the sticks. I like it. 
I had lived in Baton Rouge all those years, had neighbors all around me, kind of wanted to have some room to roam. And I've got that, but uh, I would love to be close to campus. I mean, we spend a lot of time going back and forth to campus, you know, especially during baseball season. And, you know, with kids' activities and stuff, sometimes it's a little inconvenient to live this far out of town. But uh, Portico, a great place to live, man. I encourage you, if you hadn't done so, go by and check it out next time you're in town. You know the way. I've already told you so many times. If you get lost, text me, right? Uh, let Brooks know, man. This is a guy, too, that uh, is very committed to this area and to your baseball and football programs. This guy's around all the time. He, he uh, does a great job uh, kind of representing Mississippi State. And I like doing business with Bulldogs, man, whenever I can. I absolutely want to do that, and I think you should too. Again, that's Portico. Make it your next move. All right, you guys, before you know it, SEC Media Days will be here. I'm not going. Dave Murray goes for us. Robbie may go. Uh, Mike Namath may go just to go over there and kind of, you know, Glad hands some old friends, but uh, July 18th through the 21st will be SEC Media Days. That'll be fun, right? I mean, it's, you know, but here's the thing, and it's kind of like an annual rite of passage. Uh, we are going to be picked last. And you know what? I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't agree with it. I'm perfectly okay with it. But let me give you the schedule, too, uh, for the SEC Media Day events. Monday will be Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, and then Eli Drinkwitz of uh, Missouri. So kind of a ho-hum first day, right? No, you, you know what I'm saying. LSU, Brian Kelly, a lot of interest in that program. Obviously, they're, they're a national power in many respects. have kind of fallen on the wayside here in recent years. Uh, so we'll see. You know, ever since they won the NFL championship, it has not been fun in Baton Rouge. They go out and, again, uh, give Scott and those guys some credit to make the splash hire to go get Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Wouldn't you ever think you'd see that happen, right? Not in the modern era. And, of course, Lane Kiffin, will, you know, that, that's a sound bite walking right there, right? He'll have some funny things to say. And Eli Drinkwitz, I think one of the more underappreciated coaches in our conference. Uh, Tuesday, big day, it's Mississippi State Day. It's also Nick Saban Day. Nick Saban leads off Tuesday, and then Mike Leach will follow. That'll be a lot of fun. Shane Beamer. Uh, hitting third, and then uh, Clark Lee from Vanderbilt. That'll be interesting, too. Clark Lee's a Vanderbilt guy. You know, and there's a part of me, too. I wish they would kind of get it going. I mean, honestly, not the, not at our expense, but, I, you know, it's just, you know, Barton Simmons is up there. Barton's a great guy. I got his big break to go work at Vanderbilt after working for 247 Sports and Rivals. I met uh, Barton at the offense-defense game years ago when he was working for Rivals and I was working for Scout and uh, been my friend ever since. And, they're doing a good job up there. And, uh, again, that's a program last year really kind of devoid of talent. And so you'd like to see them get going, even for no other reason that they could uh, beat the Vanderbilt of the West more often. Okay, Wednesday, July 20th, it's Sam Pittman hitting leadoff, Billy Napier. And Billy has been under fire here as of late uh, over recruiting. You see all this stuff? It's crazy. And then Kirby Smart from Georgia, uh, Mark Stoops from Kentucky. Kind of a power-packed day there. Four teams that are expected to have pretty good seasons. Contrary to message boards, I don't think Florida is going to have a 5-7 and seven year, no matter what they may think. Thursday, to close out the final day, and probably a good day not to have Jimbo and Nick together, but Auburn's Brian Harrison will open up, Tennessee's Josh Heupel, and then Jimbo Fisher. There will be a lot of discussion about name, image, and likeness and about transfer. I don't know that we have anything resolved by then. The big discussion I have is that the, that I've heard is there's going to be a debate. There's going to be some uh, potential votes in August. That's when you could probably expect some change. 
that doesn't mean they're completely finished with it. You know, and here's the thing, too. I don't think the current NIL model is sustainable. I know some people out there, oh, well, Steve, there's no, no. I just don't think, I don't agree. I think what we have to do is kind of tread water in the meantime until they get some legislation and put some parameters in. I think eventually they'll unionize and we'll have a collective bargaining agreement and there'll be some opportunities for players to make money, obviously outside of uh, what they currently do. But this is the wild, wild west right now. I don't think, to, to, the truth of the matter is I don't think anybody involved in college athletics is really happy about this. And so there will be some parameters put into place. I don't know that we see the transfer windows approved this year. I think we should. I don't know that we will. And I really don't understand the arguments against it. I know people are like, well, you know, students should be able to transfer whenever they want to. Well, they can quit the team whenever they want to. They can quit the team and then go into the portal later. They don't have to go into the portal today. I mean, right now they have the ability to do so. I don't know what you really gain from that if everybody kind of knows ahead of time. Because it's just like with baseball, right? And even when we saw with basketball. You don't think there's a 7-on-7 coach or a travel team baseball coach that's already making some calls saying, hey, so-and-so is going to go in the portal. Now, you may not be able to have direct contact with them, but people will, will have some knowledge if you're transferring. Not to mention, you could tweet it out. Hey, I'm going to be transferring at the end of the semester. And so I don't know that you really gain anything from that. I think it gives the schools an opportunity to kind of know what they have and who they have. I think there are a lot of kids out there, too, that are making irrational decisions kind of in the heat of the moment. They're prisoners of the moment, and they get too caught up in the thing. I'm just going to go in the portal. And then once you're in, and all of a sudden people start contacting, you start thinking, oh, wow. It's like you see all the time, too. Like I hear these kids talking about, you know, all these uh, – you know, people on social media. It's like as soon as somebody declares they're single, then there's all these people in their in their inbox. And so it's like, well, maybe I should be single or maybe I shouldn't go back to this relationship. And so I think you see a lot of that because that's kind of that same age dynamic. It's like, well, hey, well, maybe the grass is greener on the other side. Rather than stick here and stick it out and kind of battle through maybe some adversity, I'm just going to go. All these people love me and tell me how great I am, so I'm going to go. I think once you're in, it's difficult to get out. Very difficult. Now, did you see this stuff about the uh, Miami thing, the, the name, image, and likeness deal? You may be unfamiliar with this. Let me kind of bring you up to speed here in our final minutes here together. But uh, the whole deal here is uh, Jaden Rashada, an incredible quarterback prospect. Miami and Florida were supposedly, you know, one and two late. The thing got out yesterday, they said that he had signed a $9.5 million deal to go to Miami. Now, immediately I said, there's no way this is correct. Immediately. Now, because one of the things that I'll share with you guys, too, is talking to some people that are involved in the NIL process. You know, a lot of this stuff is just people beating their gums. There's a lot of people out there that are putting things out there to try to drum up business if that makes sense. And then, of course, there are people out there that are going to take and run with it because it's so shocking. It's almost like National Enquirer quality work. So the rumor that got out yesterday, and I think some of this is, I think there's some bad reporting here, and I think there's some people that have been had. The report was that Rashada picked Miami over Florida, even though Florida had offered him a million and a half more dollars. Now, the Gator Collective came out immediately after that and said, no, we didn't have any interaction with this agent that's making these claims. 
And now today, the uh, Miami Herald has come out with a report here that uh, is awfully interesting. You know, the uh, you know you have uh, you know the big Miami booster uh, Ruiz that uh, is supposedly bankrolling a lot of the stuff with uh, Miami's NIL stuff. And Miami is not a rich program. They have some rich donors. They're not a rich program. If you've ever been to the University of Miami and they're in Coral Gables, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's not what you would expect. Great school, I'm sure, but uh, it's not, shall we say, a glamorous campus. But Ruiz says, tells the Miami Herald that this report uh, from a competing network of ours that he paid that John Ruiz paid $9.5 million is, quote, grossly inaccurate. Uh, What's interesting, too, is that he would make more than a lot of NFL quarterbacks, and he is a high school player. Let that sink in for a second. If if, if this is what we're going to do, you talk about being unsustainable. Ruiz said via text message that Rashada actually committed to Miami a few days before the star from California announced his commitment to Florida, Miami on Sunday. After he committed, an agent reached out, and we are discussing a deal. Jaden is an amazing kid. And then the, the thing goes on to say here that Ruiz, who was struck in IL deals with more than 115 UM student athletes, said kids know we are responsible and follow the rules. They have trust in us, and we have provided valuable experiences. Uh, and then the attorney that kind of created all this stuff yesterday is a guy by the name of Michael Caspino. I don't know anything about him. I know the, the Gator Collective kind of took some shots at him. He is uh, out of Newport, California. Um, he made a comment that, um, of course, that he's the one that said, reportedly said that the guy took less money to go to Miami to go to Florida. And I think in many ways that's probably trolling Florida, right? Here's what the quote is. Jaden left millions on the table, Caspino said, adding that he represented Rashad in negotiations. Millions. He did not pick the highest offer. He went there because he loves Miami, the coaches, and the opportunity. Okay, sure. Now, the NCAA has come out more than once and said that NIL cannot be part of the recruiting process. And so when you have these things out here, basically you have – Somebody is being dishonest. Somebody. One thing that's interesting, too, is the the finalist, Miami, LSU, Florida, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Yeah. So make of that what you will. But if the NCAA, these people that are involved in this right now are being so brazen with it, and, you know, you've already had some reports out there that they're looking into Miami and Ruiz and the Ruiz guy saying, hey, we're doing things by the letter. We're in contact with the compliance department. We're not breaking the law. And maybe they're not. Maybe they're doing things as they should. But when we've got guys out here getting millions of dollars in incentives, the system is broken. It is possibly irreparably broken. And so that's what I think is interesting to see in the days ahead. When we have media days, when we have these late summer meetings with the NCAA uh, transformation, transformation Committee, these are the things that I think have to be dealt with. We can't just keep tiptoeing around the issue. 
And people say, well, you know, Steve, it's a free market system. You know, not for amateur athletes, and I don't think nor should it be. It's one thing to be able to make money off you know, selling your jersey. It's another thing to have people out here throwing millions of dollars around to get a quarterback to play college football. And there's some people I know when you hear that, you say, but Steve, you know, if they're willing to pay it, they should be able to get it. You know, I get it. I think basically we're about to ruin college athletics. And we're about to make it almost impossible for schools like Mississippi State and Ole Miss, despite the fact that they were likely involved in an NIL uh, situation with Rashada. You're going to make it almost impossible for us to compete. And, you know, the thing that I always said is, you know, in baseball it won't be as big an issue. And then all of a sudden you find out that the, the rumors are that Marucci signed the deal with Tommy White to get him to go to LSU and potentially a six-figure deal to go to LSU. And so now we're seeing it creep into baseball. And that's not to say that everybody in college baseball is going to act in kind. But in the neighborhood in which we live, we're going to have to step up. And so I would encourage you, if you hadn't done so, reach out to Charlie Winfield. He's a guy kind of working with the Bulldog Initiative. You can find that online. Uh, if you want to be involved in all that, you know, I would encourage you to get information directly from them rather than just on message boards and things like that and social media. Go directly to them because we want to do things the right way. But in order for Mississippi State to compete in what is now a very increasingly challenging NIL environment, uh, it's not going to be – everybody else's responsibility it's going to be everybody and it, like I've, I've heard some people say hey we want to get five thousand dollars that i'll give us a hundred bucks and have other people say there's no way that's going to happen and there are others who would say you know what hey let's go get five hundred dollars or give us ten thousand dollars and you know what we need them all uh, but the reality of it is is we are facing a very difficult situation here at mississippi state and i think i think it's reflected everywhere too it's like i, I hear all this stuff like you know uh nick saban and those guys get out there and say hey you know listen we only did this, and we had all these players bought out from under us, and I think that's I think he's trying to galvanize his donorship there. And then I read, you know, LSU people are saying, oh, this is crazy, all this talk about Tommy White. And Florida State people are saying this. Okay, everybody can't be NIL poor, and then all these kids raking in all this money. So somebody's not be, being honest here. And I, I think it goes back to the adults in the room rather than the kids. Uh, but I think some of the stuff that's made the media as of late is, uh, is out of control and probably untrue. I don't believe that John Ruiz gave a high school kid from California $9.5 million to come to Miami. I, I just don't believe it. Now, maybe they put a, a tiered deal together. It's like, hey, if you come to Miami, now that you're committed to Miami, and of course you and I both know nobody waited that kid committed. Uh, I know what they said. But this report got out too quickly. But they were already undergoing negotiations prior to his commitment. Well, then that not only is an incident of violation, it is against the law. So what are they going to do about it? And you'd say, well, nobody's hurt. Well, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people are hurt because it's going to make this turn into basically a bidding war. Is your business going to bankroll an NIL player at Mississippi State? You willing to do that? What are you going to do when he transfers or he doesn't play? You're going to be thinking, oh, well, Steve, you know, I paid all this money for this kid, and uh, we're kind of saddled with him now as an NIL rep, and he's not playing. And all of a sudden, he's saying negative things on social media because he's not playing. What are you going to do? So, again, I wouldn't believe everything that I read on the Internet ever. 
But I think this situation is one that probably deserves a little more scrutiny, and I think it'll get that. And I think in the end, Mississippi State just needs to kind of tread water until we get some uh, some parameters kind of put in place here. All right, so uh, let's get excited about this, okay? Dogpile the book. You're, you're upset about Ole Miss winning. Well, let's remember the fact that we won one last year. Get yourself a book. If you've got a bulldog that's down in the mouth about Ole Miss winning an AFL championship, and I'm sure maybe some of their people write a book too, and you know what? Best of luck to them. Um, but we have our own book. We have our own championship. Go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get that taken care of. While you're there, you can get signed copies of uh, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains. And, again, I, I, I keep cautioning you guys on this. Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs – nearly out of print for a while so if you hadn't got them you need to get them and then of course blooms of oleander had some people over the weekend buy that and message me and thank me for the book and thank you guys for buying the book you can find it at amazon.com barnesandnoble.com booksmillion.com or through your local bookstore and of course stark villains gear always available to starkvillains.com be sure and check that out when you can that's it for today we'll see you soon until next time let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.